Shri Guri Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita ki jai. Gold Premanandi. Evening everyone. We have such a nice community here. So many Kirtaniers we have. We have Krishna Chaitanya, Kirtanir, he gives nice classes. Manangopal, Kirtanir, he gives nice classes. Not far from here is Gornarayan, also Kirtanir, and his family, regularly attending, welcome Mahara. Maharaj, of course, is here quite a bit of the time, Kirtanir and learned, schooling us in Gaudi Siddhanta, and Lal Prabhu also, giving his learned lectures. Nice community. <laughs> Just separated a little bit by time. And there's more to the others. Of course, Pranda's years. And many other devotees. So we're hearing from Chaitanya Charitamrita. Coming to the conclusion of this section where Chaitanya Map well, Krishna's coverage is actually uh, in an extended, considerably extended sense, he is explaining the Panchatattva, this is the last verse of his Mangalacharan. All of the verses, the 14 of them, he has a lengthy explanation. This is the last of them. And this is his explanation. In the middle of his explanation, um, well, he mentions the Panchatattva's bookends of this chapter, so to speak, at the onset and at the end, speaking at the onset of how they engaged themselves in indiscriminate, empowered distribution of love of God. The three Prabhus, Teen Prabhu, Gaurhari, Nitananda Prabhu, and Advaita, and then the devotees, Hidabashivas, and the Shakti, meaning here the, the uh, Surup Shakti, Gadadha Pandit, this is the Panchatattva. And so together, empowered, in an empowered way, they propagate the Sankirtan and leave no no stone uncovered, no heart that has been touched is the is the idea. They sit in motion the tidal wave of the distribution of love of God. And so that uh, the nature of that, what that love of God, how that love of God is distributed through Sankirtan is then explained in the narrative here of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's meeting with the sannyasis. He educates them about Nam Dharma when they learned sannyasis as they were, questioned his singing and dancing in the public. So he explained to them, this is the Dharma of Kali Yuga. My guru told me to do this. and I'm a fool, but I just follow him, and, and so on. Throughout, we find this contrast that Mahaprabhu was making between the, the proud Mayavadins and the humble devotees. Of course, you can meet many, many humble Mayavadis who are more humble than many devotees. Devotees who aren't dressed in the decorum 
mandated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Trinadapi, Sunichena, Duraurapi, Sishnamani, Namanarena, Kirtaniya, Sadhari. These are the, the new regulative principles. Um, four more, <laughs> let us say. Um, so to decorate oneself with humility. That said, as I say, you can meet many Mayan bodies who are very humble, but in a more metaphysical sense, the odious want to underscore the, their lack of humility by by way of explaining, as Mahaprabhu has, that the jiva is tiny and insignificant and the spark of the fire that is Brahman. And to think that the jiva is 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 Brahman, who is actually in the full sense, Bhagwan, complete with six opulences and... Uh, and uh, endowed with many shaktis and so on and so forth is 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 um, the height of absurdity mm. to think that the jiva is, is is one with Brahman, and this is of course the whole focus of the Mayavad. This is their knowledge, so-called oneness between Brahman and Atman. Mm. This is the end of knowledge, the beginning and end, mm, so to speak. Um, beginning, middle, and the end. So, in that sense, he he doesn't say it, but he wants to say it, that they're proud, and he, he keeps himself in a very humble position. They are sannyasis, they, they refer to one another as Narayan, Om Narayan, you're Narayan, I'm Narayan, we've become God, we, we are examples of Brahman being one with excuse me, Atma being one with Brahman or in pursuit of that and so forth. So Mahaprabhu, characteristically of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, he kept himself very humble throughout this whole uh, discourse from beginning to end, making this uh, contrast. And of course he explained also the theory, hmm, what is the Jiva Shakti, we've heard this, we... um, after explaining why he did what he did, performed Nams and Kirtan and so forth, and then they said, well, okay, okay, there's nothing wrong with being a devotee of Krishna, we don't object to that, but why not study Vedanta? What's wrong with that? And then he began to speak about the way in which they studied Vedanta and what was the problem with it. So, again, in the course of that, he main point he made, the overarching point that he makes is that Shankaracharya's way of understanding the Vedanta is mental speculation. This is where Prabhupada really gets this idea from. We, because when you, you, you take the, as I said the other night, you take the other schools of Vedanta, Shishta Dvaita, Dvaitavad, Dvaita Dvaita, Shuddha Dvaita, of the Vaishnav Sampradayas, we don't, um, we, uh, we were speaking today, Krishna Chaitanya and I, and Manangopal, about um, Ch- Krishna Chaitanya's experience with a Tirupati temple. There are a number of temples in North America now that have been established by the wealthiest deity in the world, um, Venkate- Venkateshwar in, in Tirupati, a place that um, Prabhupada wanted to go. Did he go there? I don't. I remember it when he was passing out from the world just a month or so beforehand. He 
he, I think he, he didn't go, he wanted to go, and he said to, who was then Panchatabhita Maharaj, that you went there, you know, through you I went there, or something like that. He had this desire to have the darshan of Venkateshwar. And so he's wealthy, and he's got now palaces around the world, at least we know throughout North America, maybe in Europe as well. One of them is just a few miles from there. There may be one just in... Uh, in Charlotte as well. I'm not sure. I heard there were several Hindu temples there. But at any rate, um, we were talking a little bit about their temple and their conception and, and so forth. And Krishna Chaitanya was uh, uh, learning from them the, how they, uh, hearing from them how they preceded their practices rather than with the worship of Ganesh, with the worship of Vishvak. Vishvaksena. Hmm. And that's a little little different. Hmm. And uh, even the worship of Ganesha is mentioned in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Hmm. Um, without any much explanation, hmm. Prabhupada introduced it in some ways. Hmm. And then he... Yeah, then he, then he kind of drew back from that. And one of my godbrothers uh, really wanted to get into it. You know, they pick out some abstract thing and then make it the focus of their whole practice, the worship of Ganesh. Hmm. And uh, there's a nice verse in Brahma Samhita, of course, speaking of Ganesh, and as Brahma Samhita does, speaking of all the gods and goddesses, so with all in relation to Govinda. Hmm. So in, pro, in, in context. Anyway, he wanted to worship Ganesh and, um, and the temple authorities were complaining about it. I think he wrote to Prabhupada. And, Prabhupada, and he, and he made, cited an example that Guru Kripa Swami also worships Ganesh. As he would chant this verse from Brahma Samhita and do a simple worship. And, and Prabhupada wrote back or something like, if you can give me $100,000 a month to build a temple in Mahabharata, you can worship Ganesh like Gregory Paul. So <laughs> he's getting the results. <laughs> so he was raising a lot of money at the time and helping Prabhupada to build a temple in Mayapur and Vrindavan, the Krishna Balaram temple. So at any rate, they worship uh, Vishvakshain in the way that many worship Ganesh, Ganesh means the Lord of the common people. So he's said to be the one who uh, move, removes obstacles in the way of material progress. Of course, we understand him as well from the Brahma Samhita to be a devotee of Nishingadev. Hmm. He's attached to Nishingadev. He worships Nishingadev. So we worship Ganesh in the context of his being a devotee of Bhagawan Narasimha. Hmm. And... Uh, we are only interested, really, in removing the obstacles for bhakti, material obstacles. Or there, I guess we want to remove those too. <laughs> but bhakti has the power to do that. Yeah. We don't need an independent, um, a, a separate means for that. Um, so, at any rate, they worship Vishwaksana. So, so they were explaining that to him, and then I guess you discussed with them, Krishna Chaitanya discussed with them, they said, yeah, we, we, we do it a little differently than you, we see things a little differently than you, but it was not a problem. Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam, we see the Venkateshwar as a 
avatar of Krishna, they see Krishna as an avatar of Venkateshwar. Their Krishna Krishnastami or Janmastami is a holiday, hmm? but it's not the big thing for them. They have some other. What is their main thing? I can never understand what they're saying. Okay, There's like seven days. It's the way that Lord Brahma worships Vishnu and their steps, the Brahm something. There's seven days in May that they. Ah, uh-huh. seven days oh, in May. There you go. Well, it's got a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, we're not even familiar with. So this is Brahmanuja Sampradaya. Hmm. I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you know they have their perspective in Vaikuntha, and uh, it's it's very fascinating. Have you ever seen any of the posters of the drawings of their whole world and how the Jiva gets there and so forth? It's it's just fascinating. Vaikuntha is absolutely. Fascinating. I had an experience to go there once um, in <laughs> in uh, in Padmanabh Chetra. What's the what's the secular name for that? Um, Padmanabh Chetra, um, it's a city in South India. Um, no, in Kerala. Yeah. It's in Kerala. It's the city. Uh, no. Anyway, Padmanabh Chetra is the real name of the place. And the huge temple of Padmanabh Vishnu, like 24 feet long. He's like this. There's several of them like that. And uh, I got to go there on Ekadasi. It was an incredible experience. And they had a whole parade going on inside the temple compound, which is a whole city unto itself. Elephants, horses, carrying the small Vijay deity, and every so so often they would stop and there would be trumpets, conch shells, and boom, boom, kettle drums, and Brahmins chanting, and they'd go to the next altar, and it was just out of this world. <laughs> really so. So it's a fascinating place. And, um, and they don't know about much about Golok. Hmm. Mahabhaikuntha. It's a different uh, perspective. So the point here only is that there are different Vaishnav perspectives. We worship them all in in the in, the, uh, in Mayapur, that the uh, samadhi of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. Then he has the deities of each of the charyas for the Vishnu Swami, Ramanuja, Madhva, and Nimbarka there. Um, so. There's none of Shankaracharya, <laughs> is the point. So his interpret. So when we say, and I mentioned this the other night, worth repeating, when we say, as it is, and this is where Prabhupada gets his term, as it is, throughout his Gita, he is going out of his way to uh, expose um, in a very kind of, well, very directly. Uh, the Mahabharata philosophy in a kind of a blunt way. Hmm? Not real sophisticated, but in a real blunt way with real kind of blunt examples, some of which we, which we see here. I mean, what is it? It's preposterous for the Jiva to think that he's, he's Brahman. Hmm? Um, suffering from them, or that the Brahman is uh, Krishna, Ishwar is... Uh, is a manifestation of the material modes of nature. So anyway, so he, as you know, Prabhupada uh, 
built that into his pranam, nirvishesha shunyavadi paschachadesa tarane. I heard someone say the other day that Krishna West, it's probably used the same thing. Paschacha means West. Uh, he wanted to, <laughs> he wanted a, a cultural conquest of the West. He wanted cows to be worshipped. And isn't it the Vaikuntha temple before everything? They have to have a cow. And that's uh, on the Krishna Janmashtami. Without the cow, Krishna is not present. And such a nice, rich um, culture. At any rate. Um, Um, as it is means taking the scripture and not distorting it by way of taking the direct statements that don't require some extra explanation and giving them an indirect explanation. I've given the classic example. Why don't you come to my house? It's, it's just down, not far from here on the Ganges. When I say that to you, you think, okay, he lives on the Ganges. But you know, I don't really live in the water. I live on the bank of the Ganges, but it's a way of speaking. Hmm? Um, uh, so he lives, on the, he lives on the Ganges, not far. No. So it requires some interpretation. This is an example of Gonavriti, a text that, um, is needs to be interpreted hmm? and you can't take it as it is. Hmm? And then there are the statements that are mukhivrti, direct statements. So many statements, for example, about the personality of God or the eternality of his form, name qualities, pastimes, and so forth. Um, and so to switch those around and interpret those indirectly to screw out some other meaning, this is what Shankar has done. This means then to speculate hmm? and not accept it as it is. And now it's important to note that in accepting it as it is, there are still multiple interpretations because you have Vaikuntha, hmm? you have the Ramanuja's perspective, the... Uh, the um, uh, Madhva's perspective, Nimbarka's perspective, Vishnu Swami's perspective, they're all, they're all different. If you go and listen to the Ramanuja Sampradaya, you think they, they got it all wrong. <laughs> They've even got words we don't even, you know, don't even use. They, they use different words and they, they explain. Everything's different. Everything's different. Hmm? And, you know, some of the rag-oriented Sampradaya, like Bala, was still very, just like, you'd be lost. Hmm? Um, which shows some of the relativity of the explanation, which Bhaktivinoda Thakur underscores philosophy is also relative. There's only, um, it's an attempt with language and reason to explain that which transcends it and so forth. Hmm? That said, still, the explanations are different and the goal is slightly different also, or quite different in some instances. The difference between intimate love of God, for example, and and reverential love of God is a big difference than within Balaba and Nimbarka, who have um, are interested in Vrindavan and Krishna Lila. There are also differences. So that's need for different sampradayas.
So we should understand the relativity of the Siddhanta in one sense and be, and be very uh, acquainted with it because it is what we hold on to and by which we get a handle on where we're going and how to go there and, and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the point is that amongst the four schools of Vedanta, there are differences and they are all accepting it as it is, more or less, much more, let's say, than, than, the, than the Shankars, who is much, much less and doing away with the eternality of the person, of Vaikuntha, doing away with Vaikuntha. I mean, he's done away with everything. He's done away with the material world. He's done away with the spiritual world. He's done away with the jiva. What's left? And that's what you have to wonder. Neti, it's not this, it's not that. Well, can't say anything about it. And therefore we say, you be quiet, we talk, you sit, you follow your philosophy, you say nothing, and we will do the talking. Hmm? So... <laughs> So it's a, it's a, it's a mayavad, it's a doctrine of illusion. Hmm? Everything's an illusion. The world, the spiritual world, there's a material world, the Ishwar, Bhakti, the Jiva, there's only something called Brahman that you can't say anything about. Hmm? Something like that. So this uh, uh, is the classic example of um, speculating on the nature of the scripture. We, we find several places where Shankar has added something in, like his two tiers of Brahman. I've commented in the 12th chapter of the Gita, my edition on this, and shown exactly where Shankar in the, in the Vedanta Sutra develops this idea of two tiers and how it has, it's not in the text at all. That's why strong words are used in this chapter. And Mahaprabhu says through the, through the pen of Krishnadas Kaviraj in one place, characterizing Shankar's uh, perspective, Vyas Branta. Shankar has said, Vyas is crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So, leave it to me to explain. Hmm. So practically, he's come up with his own own sutras. Hmm. The interpretation is such. That is the Gaudiya perspective. And it's the Vaishnava perspective throughout the different uh, sampradayas. And for good for good reason. So the point I'm making here, uh, one of the points I'm trying to make here is that when we say as it is, this is not a mandate for literalism. And 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 every word has to be taken literally and uh, you get into this fundamentalist uh, perspective and um, the whole other side of of problems, it's, it's 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 almost worse than the Mayavad because it becomes offensive too, and uh, often and uh, and um, it should be avoided. So this is the overarching emphasis, and then Mahabharu gives some has given some examples yeah, thus far. The example of what of. Uh, Brahman and Atma, Jiva and Atma are one. Hmm? The, uh, that Brahman has no shaktis, that, uh, by contrast, Vaishnava perspective, he has endowed with many shaktis. He's quoted the Gita in this regard, Vishnu Purana in this regard, citing the three main shaktis, 
internal, external, marginal, and so forth. Um, he's pointed out that the Mahavakya, the main sound, as we discussed this last night, of the Vedanta is not Tattvamasi, it's Omkar. Hmm? And that should be apparent. I mean, everybody's heard of Om, has heard of Hinduism. Everybody's been in any yoga studio knows how to chant Om, and how many chant Tattvamasi or know what it means or even heard of it. There are some, but Om is the main sound. From Om, Om is explained in Gayatri. Hmm? From Om comes Gayatri, from Gayatri comes the Veda. Hmm? And the last part of all the Vedic is the Srimad Bhagavatam, which explains the Gayatri and Om and so forth. So, so hmm. he's gone through these points, and, and the sannyasis were very pleased with it. And uh, they, but now they've asked, okay, you told us what's wrong with Shankar's explanation, and we we accept it actually. A lot of his points were really hard to digest, but you know he's the acharya, so we just went along with it. But they were kind of like confusing. Hmm. The super is in position, and I'm, there's only there's only Brahman, but there's Maya, but there's not Maya. It's the appearance of Maya, but uh, how does the two come out of the out of one, and so forth? Uh, so they, they, their heads were spinning, but they were going along with it. It was a little bit of the group think there that they were affected by, and Mahabharata was thinking outside of the box of Shankar's uh, prison there, and, and uh, they're impressed. They're feeling free, free to think, and they like what Mahabharata said, so they want to know from him now. How do you explain all the sutras? You said you didn't know, but we know we see that you do know very well. So how do you explain? So he wants to now give a uh, a brief explanation. Hmm. So Mahaprabhu begins. Brihad vastu brahmakhi, Sri Bhagwan. The great substance, Brihad vastu, Brahma means Brahman. That great substance, Brahman, Kahi, we call Sri Bhagwan. Sad Pidaishwaryapurna Paratakpadam. He is replete with uh, all six opulences. This is of course Parashara's famous definition of Bhagwan. Hmm? Aishvaryasya samadrasya viryasya yashashasriya jnana vairagya yoschaya so so forth so uh, wealth strength beauty knowledge wealth strength beauty knowledge fame and renunciation these are the six opulences who possesses them in full this is Bhagwan hmm? so he says we call him Bhagwan he's replete with six opulences paratatvadam um, he is the abode of the supreme truth. Hmm? He exists. He ha- he is the abode. He, he, he's also saying here, his he has a, a, an abode. It's one with him. Hmm? Um, what is it? Tadama Vrindamana. What is that verse? Hmm? Tadama she Chakravati. Anyway, means Krishna is a boat or one and the same. Tadama Vrindamana. Um, 
स्वरूप ऐश्वर्य तन्व नाही माया गंध हिज स्वरूप हिज फुल ऑफ ऑपुलेन्स एंड तन्व नाही माया गंध गंध इन हिम देर इज नॉट अंत ऑफ माया इन हिज फॉर्म इन हिज स्वरूप It's full of spiritual opulences. There's not a scent of my. He's obviously replying to the idea of Shankar of these two tiers of Brahman. You know what I mean by that? That that there is Brahman, Nirguna, and then there is the Saguna Brahman, which means the Ishwar, who is Brahman, taking the form of the mode of goodness, appearing to create the world that doesn't exist and. He doesn't ultimately exist either, and there is the practical reality and the ultimate reality, and so on. Vyavaharik and paramarthic reality, and and ultimately, this uh, Ishwar Bhagavan doesn't exist. Hmm? So this is a very different explanation that you can't find it in the scripture. It's just not there. Sakalabedera hai Bhagavan se sambanda. And this is taught throughout the Vedas, and we call it sambandha. Hmm. So he, he's saying that we, that we also have knowledge. Hmm. Our knowledge is not oneness between Atman and Brahman. We call it sambandha, we and because we don't deny the world, Bhagwan or the Jiva. So the sambandha is basically what is the relationship between the world. The jiva, the world and Bhagawan, jiva and Bhagawan. This is the basic sambanda. Sambanda means relationship. So there are different manifestations of the shakti, the Bhagawan. There's Bhagawan. There's the Maya shakti. There's Bhagawan. There's the jiva shakti. For example, what's the relationship between them? Instead of doing away with them. Altogether, he says we we call it sambanda, hmm? knowledge of relationship. So when we sometimes um, posit or champion bhakti over gyan, hmm? this is not a a um, advocacy of ignorance, not knowing the scriptures, hmm? uh, the bhakti shastras. You can hear that sometimes. Someone knows the scripture better than you, and you have a discussion, and they say, "Well, you know, it's not about Gyan, anyway." That, that's their way of defeating you when they can't. It's not about Gyan, anyway. So you study some books. Yeah, these the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that kind of book. Hmm. Right. Sometimes we, we encounter this type of thing. No, this is very important. Sambanda Gyan. Hmm. Sometimes now, someone was telling me that that. Some devotees just want to emphasize the chanting. Hmm? No questions asked. Just chant. We'll get together a long kirtan. No questions asked. No questions allowed. Just chant. After all, chanting answers all the questions, right? Hmm? No philosophy. You no, know, that's just going to be. There's just going to be arguments and differences and so on and so forth. And so we just chant. Hmm? But uh, Bhakti Vinod Thakur was. Uh, In an environment, a uh, century more past, where many people chanted, and they were born as Vaishnavas, hmm? 
and they got diksha and so forth, but they didn't get sambandha gyan hmm? because their so-called gurus really didn't have it. Hmm? And they chanted and there wasn't any result. This is where you get this, this is another, uh, we talk about where you get the as it is and where mental speculation comes from. See how it's abused to, to, to become a fanatic. But there's another thing now, where this idea that siksha is more important than diksha. You've heard this? Hmm? Where does this come from? Hmm? It comes from Bhaktivinoda. In the time in which he was living, hmm? was amongst us, I should say, and and there were many Vaishnavas, nominal Vaishnavas, in name only, born as Vaishnavas in Bengal, follower Chaitanya, uh, so forth, and they were initiated and uh, but they didn't have any sambandha again. They didn't have any siksha. They didn't really know the the Gaudiya philosophy. And they chanted, went to temples, and did the rituals, and so on and so forth, but they weren't getting the prem. Hmm? And then, to make matters worse, well, there were some imitations of the prem and the parakya in this world, amongst the, the... Sadhus and so forth, so-called sadhus, babas, and, and so it was was a problem. Hmm? So he made this strong emphasis: there need to be someone again. And what did he do? He wrote a hundred books. Hmm? You see, this was his this was his emphasis: is four hundred whatever plus years from the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and all these books were written. Hmm? He made much effort. Prabhupada used to say. And we've got at least 60 books, and hmm, you think we're just worshipping of stone? Why we're writing all these books are supporting that worship of the stone. They should be studied, and so on and so forth. When I was first introduced to Prabhupada as, as, as having been successful in selling his books, by Ramaswar writing the Prabhupada letter, and this boy, Triprari, you know, has sold this many books, and so Prabhupada was very nice that Tripurari Das is selling so many books. Mm. And then he wrote in his own handwriting, make sure that he's always reading them also. Mm. So I, of course, took that to heart. <clears throat> and um, this is Sambandagam, the nature of Bhagavan, mm. the nature of the world in relation to Bhagavan, the Jiva Tattva, uh, Vaishnav Tattva, Radha Tattva, Nam Tattva, Shakti Tattva, all these truths, as understood by, uh, as explained by the Goswamis, drawing as they do from the main text, Nana Shastra Vicharana Ikanipano Saddharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarano Tibhuvane Manyo Sharanyakaro. Out of great Lokanam Hitakarano. Hmm? Out of compassion, they did this, they wrote like this. Hmm? They, 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 they drew all this. So this is to be taken advantage of. Not that everybody will be a scholar and a philosopher and so forth, but at least not, let's not object to it when it's presented um, by way of saying, anyway, you're just a, you know, bhakti's more important than gyan, so who cares for your arguments? Well, the arguments are, are good. The controversial issues can be settled, at least in terms of Gaudiya Siddhanta. Hmm? So we have some knowledge, it's called Sambandha Gyan. Hmm? Well, when we advocate an underscore or champion bhakti over jnana, that should not be misunderstood. 
It's very important. Bhaktivinoda said, without the Sambandhagyana, the chanting will go on and, and there will be very little, little progress. Indeed, so again, this is where his emphasis of siksha comes over diksha. Oh, you got initiated here, but you didn't get any Sambandha. You need siksha guru. And uh, it's, uh, it can be argued, has been argued, that Bhaktivinoda himself derived more from his Siksha Guru than his Diksha Guru because there are things that we find in him that were not in his Diksha Guru but were in his Siksha Guru, Jagannath Das Babaji. And the two disagreed over his discovery of the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. His Diksha Guru rejected him on the basis of that, but Jagannath Das Babaji confirmed it. So the history is. So... Um, he himself is kind of an example of what he's talking about. That doesn't mean and this is, that, that diksha is not important, siksha is important, and to use an example in the current day, and Prabhupada is my siksha guru, so I don't need a diksha guru, or I can have one if I have to have one, because it's the rule, so we'll get one. This is a going in the other direction now. This is like no speculation means I should become a literalist fanatic. Hmm? It's another example of abuse. This is where the idea comes from, the climate, the times. If you study Bhaktivinotakur, what he says is a, is a Kanishtadikari Vaishnav, it, it, it won't be anybody that got converted to Vaishnavism hmm, by philosophy and so forth. Hmm. It's a different you know, kind of a species. You can find them now in the West too, I suppose, um, that don't have any Sambandagyan. They like to chant, whatever. Um, so, we also consider that many who have been initiated and got some again are also kanishtas. We take it to a higher level. But the, but the dynamic idea of the madhyam is one who wants to make advancement, hmm? who's trying to make progress and learn the teaching and strengthen their faith by shastra. After all, it's shastriya shraddha. Hmm? Faith in the argument coming from the scripture that has given to us, been given to us by the by our Shastra Gurus, the six Goswamis, the founding Acharyas of the Sampradaya. They they wrote the the books, the seminal books. All the books are derived from them and and the points raised in them need to be supported by them and so forth. So he starts out like this. He says, We have something, we have our own gyan, and it's called Sambanda Gyan. Hmm? It acknowledges the world, it acknowledges the reality of it, the reality of the jiva. And as far as Brahman goes, it describes him as Sadaishvarya Purna, as, 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 as ultimately as Bhagawan. Of course, we have the three terms by which the Absolute is known according to the Bhagavatam Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdite. In the more general sense, he's saying here that. Krishna is a, is Brahman. Brahman in the full sense. Well, he'll explain. Is Bhagwan. Hmm? He says, "Tanre nirvishesh kahi chitshakti namani." Hmm? So, about this uh, nirvishesh, we say chitshakti namani, arda swarup namanile punata hoehani. That. Uh, because the nirvishesh is without 
any differentiation. What's another word for that? Um, hmm? Any qualities? Features? Anyway, nirvishesh. There's a differentiated absolute and a non-differentiated absolute. So, about the non-differentiated absolute, about Brahman, nirvishesh Brahma, hmm? then uh, you're not, Purnata Hoyahani, you're not getting the full picture of Brahman. Hmm. Brahman, as I've described, is, is, he says, is Bhagwan. He's full of shaktis, differentiation. And you can say something about him. Now you've got something to talk about. About Nirvishesh Brahman, there's nothing to be said. Hmm. You can't uh, describe it. Uh, uh, Bhagwan, by contrast, has character, leela, and of course, all of this variety that his um, uh, Swarup Shakti is manifesting makes for the possibility of loving. Hmm? In Brahman, there's, there's, no, there's no capacity for, for loving. Hmm? So he says, logically speaking, if you only know half the truth about the Nirishesh aspect of Brahman, then you're at a loss. You can't understand the whole truth. So we acknowledge the Nirishesh aspect of Brahman, but it's just an aspect. As Krishna says in the Gita, what? Brahmanohi, pratishtaham. That Brahman is subordinate to me. Sutre iva. Everything is resting on me like pearls on a thread. Many places he states it. So Brahman is subordinate to me. What is it? We were uh, reading Brahma Samhita some time back. Point is made nicely there also. So. He makes the point here. Your idea of Brahman is like half idea only. Hmm? And you deny the, the full side and call it Saguna Brahman. This is all implied here, of course, this is if you know Shankar's teaching. And it goes on. Bhagavan prapti hetu jekari upai shabanadi bhakti krishna prapti rasahai. So, having spoken in a very condensed way uh, about Sambandha. Now he's going to talk about what? Abhideya. Exactly, Abhideya. The action that follows the <coughs> conceptual orientation in which there is Jiva, Maya, there's Bhagavan, hmm? and the means for the Jiva to be delivered. It's all right, right there, of course, in... In Bhagavatam, we'll get to that. But so he says, what Bhagavan praptihetu te kari upai. The means praptihetu, the cause. It means by hetu, cause, the reason, the the means um, prapti for attaining Bhagavan, te kari upai, or by which he can be approached. Shravanadi, bhakti, Krishna prapti rasahai. Is called Shravanadi Bhakti. Means Shravan means hearing, and Adi means etc. Shravan, Kirtan, Smarnam. This Bhakti is the means. Krishna Prapti Sahai. This is the only way for attaining this Bhagwan, this Purna Brahma, Param Param Brahma. Shankar has his own idea about. Bhakti, of course, it's for 
people who are less, uh, not very well fortified by intelligence and able to do introspection and uh, and so forth, and they need some emotional outlet, so they can do some bhakti, and then they can come in a, in a little bit of a slower way, slower course, roundabout course, to uh, undifferentiated spiritual truth, knowledge, Nirvishesh Brahma. So Mahaprabhu is differing here. He says, this is the way, and is the only way, Shravanam Kirtam Sarva, Se Sarva Bedea, Abhideyanam. So through all the Vedas, this is called by the name Abhideya, the way, the means. Sadhana Bhakti Hoite Hoi Premera Udkam. And the way is such that the way is also the end, in that the way is Sadhana Bhakti, and by Sadhana Bhakti, Premera Udgam. Prem manifests. Prem Bhakti manifests in due course. So bhakti begets Bhakti. Aru, hmm? oops, Krishnera charane hoi yadi anurag, Krishna binu anyatra tarnahi rahe rag. So now he goes on to the third thing. Hmm? What's that? Prayojan. Right, he says, Krishnera charane hoi yadi anurag. If one develops anurag, hmm? and becomes uh, attached to Krishna's lotus feet. Krishna binu, binu anyatra tarnahi rahe rag. The symptom of this, if one becomes, develops anurag for Krishna, deep spiritual attachment for the lotus feet of Krishna, then he's more or less saying the symptom, Krishna binu anyatra tarnahi rahe, rahe rag. He has no attachment for anything else. They're saying we 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 devotees also have detachment, and this is our way of detach by being attached to Krishna. Hmm, um, uh, we have no attachment to anything else, and there's no question of falling back into it hmm, because we've attached ourselves to something, something superior. Panchamapurushartha se prem mahadhan. Having kind of defined it, now he explains, gives the name Krishna Madurasa Karja. Ashpadan. He says, this is the Panchamapurushartha, the fifth goal of life. There's the four, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. This is the fifth. Hmm? Seprem, Mahadhan. It is the great Mahadhan, the great wealth known as Prem. Prem Purushartha, Prem, Prem Prayojan. Hmm? This is the idea. This again is a very uh, characteristic um, of our lineage, all the Vaishnava lineages and the Shankara monistic lineage also describe the goal of life as mukti. Hmm? We describe it as prem. And a prem in particular, even though there is a prem of Vaikuntha, we consider that a kind of mukti. We consider the prem of Golok to be something that doesn't even look like mukti. <laughs> It looks like you didn't go anywhere, or something like that. But, of course, you have, but it's just to underscore the point that mukti is insignificant, inconsequential, in comparison. Um, bhakti belittles mukti, 
as uh, a Prem Bhakti, belittles Mukti, even Bhava Bhakti, I should say, belittles Mukti, makes it out to be a, a small, insignificant thing. And this is the big thing for, for all other lineages. So it's there, but by use of the word Prem and and focusing on the ideal, Ugalok, as you know, when Krishna was asked by his associates in the Braj, what will our next life be? He showed them. If you're going to go from from the Naralita to the Devalila, pretty much everything's the same. Your cows are there, your friends are there, so on and so forth. So as much as we build a community here, for example, and persons take this to heart and so forth, then, then you can take your friends with you. And then you can say, well, is Radha Madhava in Golok? If they're not, I'm not interested in going there. You can stay here. Hmm. Um, you can say that with, with feeling, with meaning. Hmm. So, <laughs> it's a way, the use of the word, word prem is a way of making little of mukti as we do. And it plays out, as I'm saying, in the form, the actual form. It, it It's Aprakrita, not adhoksaja. Vaikuntha's adhoksaja. It's very different. There's four-armed people there. It's overtly different. When you enter into Goloka, it's 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 different than you know major metropolitan city in the West here. But it's uh, it's very human-like, right? And all the human forms, expressions of love are there. Not in Vaikuntha. There's only the reverential love and the other types of love. They don't. You don't find them. Hmm? Hmm. Neutral love and service, servile love. That's not like this world. Hmm? Those are all given second place. Sec- those are given second place to the love we have for our friends, family, so all that for Krishna. So it doesn't even look like liberated life. And what did Mahaprabhu say? Mama Janmani Janmani Bhakti I'm not concerned about mukti, being free for birth and death. I, I just have attachment now for bhakti and wherever I am, it doesn't matter. Hmm? So Prem Purusharta, uh, Panchama Purusharta, say Prem Mahadan. The, great, the, the, the greatest riches is Prem. It's the fifth goal, Krishnera Madurasa Korayaspadan. By it, you'll get a taste for Madurasa, hmm? he says. This is in the, in the optimum. Hmm? By it, you can take, and it's another way of explaining, by it, you can taste Madhurya Rasa. You can't taste Madhurya Rasa in Vaikuntha. Hmm? You can't taste it in Ayodhya, even. It's not possible. Only in Goloka. Hmm? And the full face of that, only in, in Gokul, within, within Goloka. So, Prem Hoite Krishna Hoi Nija Bhaktavas, Prem Hoite Pai Krishna Seva Sukha Rasa. He explains it further. Uh, from that Prem for Krishna, the Nija Bhaktavas, uh, the devotee is in a is takes a position such that, that Krishna, Bhagawan, who is the full Brahman, hmm? as he's explained already, 
which made him very big, becomes very small. This bigness has been emphasized, the difference between Bhagavan, Saidashvaryapur, and the Jiva. And now he's coming around full to the other, to the other direction. And this big, big person becomes small and overwhelmed by the devotee, the jiva who is endowed with bhakti, and he becomes submissive to the devotee. This is a fascinating thing. Imagine these my bodies are hearing this for the first time. It's fascinating. Hmm? They all got all whoa. You know, we only knew half the truth. Nirvishesh Brahma didn't quite understand that. And there's Bhagwan. He's got all this Ashvarya. We're only tiny jivas, and now suddenly, and the power of bhakti is such when it reaches the pitch of praying. Hmm? He who is full of all opulences, the parabrahma, becomes submissive to the devotee. You want to become one with Brahman? What a small idea that is. Hmm? Brahman here becomes subordinate to you. Hmm? Your idea was to become God, so to speak, in a, in a very kind of abstract sense. Here the idea is that God becomes subordinate to you. That's what it means, Madhurasa. That's what it means, Vatsalya Rasa Sakyas. It becomes a plaything in the hands of his devotees. Premahoyte Pai Krishna Siva Sukarasa. And so the devotee derives happiness in a particular rasa in relationship with Krishna. Sammandabhideya prayojannam etin artha sarvasutre paryasvana. Paryavasana. One's relationship with the personality of God, it properly translates it, his activities into that relationship, the samanda, the abhideya, and the ultimate goal of life, the prayojan, praying prayojan. These three subjects are explained in all the sutras for they form the purposes, the culmination of the entire Vedanta philosophy. So, the fact of the matter is the Vedanta Sutra is divided into these sections. The first two adhyayas or chapters, there's four adhyayas, four chapters, and they have four divisions within them. So the first two are more or less the sambandha. And um, and in the context of that, they take on, in the second adhyaya, different opposing philosophies of the time, the Vaisheshika, the Nyaya, and so forth. And, and then the third chapter is Abhideya, and the fourth is, is, is the attainment. Hmm? This is how um, that text is divided, and this is how the Bhagavatam is divided also. Hmm? Um, and right down to the, to the, through the four seed verses of the Bhagavatam, they're divided Four seed verses are divided into Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. So Mahaprabhu says, this is everywhere in the scripture, these divisions are there. You can't have this division in, in, in the Mayavad philosophy. Hmm? Uh, so, A Vyakyan Shuniya Sakala Sanyasi So, when the Mayavadis heard this explanation of Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana, they spoke very humbly. Dear sir, Vedamaya Muttitumi Sakshat Narayana. You are you are directly Narayan. Hmm? You are the very 
personification of Vedamaya. Vedamaya Murti Tumi. You are the very form of the Veda yourself. You're directly in Orion. Shama Aparad Purve Previously, we offended you and we ask for your forgiveness. Se hoite sanyasita pire gelaman Krishna Krishna nam sadai koreya grahan. From that moment on, when the Maya bodies heard the explanation of Vedanta Sutra from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, their minds changed, and on the instruction of Mahaprabhu, they too continually chanted Krishna. Krishna. Hmm. So this is um, explanation. There's a few concluding verses of Mahaprabhu's activities in the town of and the reuniting with Sananathan and Tapan Mishra and Chandrasekhar. But I wanted to um, read to you um, the f- four verses of the Bhagavatam that are the seed so that you can see how in the seed verses of the Bhagavatam this Sambandha, Abhideya and Prayojan is found. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, as you know, most of you probably know, he wrote a book called Bhagavad Arka Marichinimala. It's a thousand rays of the Bhagavatam. He, ca- he took a thousand verses of the Bhagavatam and categorized them as Sambandha. These are about Sambandha, Abhideya and Prayojan. Shudamarsh had a mind to do a book, I think, of 300 verses, he said, in a more condensed form, but he never got to it. He learned uh, and, um, how do you say, recently passed away? You just said it. Yeah. Haridas Shastri wrote a book in which he had took every verse of the Bhagavatam and showed and, and then the corresponding verse or verses of the Vedanta Sutra. It's just, it's just a list. I got it, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. And uh, it was in Hindi. I had a Hindi disciple translated all that. Every verse of Bhagavatam, the corresponding verse of the Vedanta Sutra, which served very scholarly work, Sure, no comment or anything, or just numbers. But it served to demonstrate, obviously, a very central point of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Vedanta. When Mahaprabhu speaks again on this, when this Leela narrative again appears at the end of the Madhya Leela, Mahaprabhu speaks a little bit more about Sambandhabhide Paryojana and the Bhagavatam, the important place of the Bhagavatam. You want my commentary on Vedanta? Hmm? I don't need a commentary on Vedanta. The Bhagavatam is already there. It's divided in this way, like the sutras are, and so forth and so on. And, and um, he'll cite the four verses there, the seed verses of the Bhagavatam, and show how they're divided as well. Um, but anyway, it's it's a useful, um, for the scholars, a useful, and devotees, a useful exercise considerable of considerable scholarship to go through that and and match them all up but demonstrates the point is that Vedanta Bhagavatam is the natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra a central central point to our 
Vedanta. So I've anyway written a, a paraphrased the these verses. The the verses of the Bhagavatam, there are actually four, the Chatur Shloka, and they're prefaced by two which introduce them. Hmm? So often they're included. And they 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 follow f- the four questions of Brahma. You know, Brahma was in trance, sitting, meditating, and he heard one of those unauthored sounds that we have talked about in recent days. Tapa, tapa. These two letter, letters from the Sanskrit alphabet, which means sacrifice. And so he, he, this is the way forward. This is the way of knowing. He wanted to know his source. So tapa, for a smart guy, you don't have to say much. Tapa went into his two, four, six, eight, eight ears. Eight ears? Yeah. It's eight ears and turned around there and went down into his heart and he changed and he performed the uh, sacrifice, really. Of, he really did uh, a meditative form of bhakti and he got the result. Krishna appeared before him. Hmm? And, uh, and so he asked Krishna four questions. What is the nature of your form? He's looking at it. What is the nature of your form? Hmm? And uh, two, what is the nature of the the world hmm? and your in in your form and in, in, in the world in relation to your shaktis? Hmm? And three, so those are two questions that require answers of the sambandha nature: hmm? your form, the nature of your form, and the nature of the world and the interaction of your shaktis. And three. What is the nature of your leela and the prame that, that drives it? So that is a question about the prayojan tattva. And the fourth question is, what is the means to attain that? Hmm. Question about the abhideya. So he asks about questions that require sambandha, gyan, abhideya gyan, and prayojan gyan. So... I'll just read these, uh, and these are, this is um, um, a paraphrasing of the meaning of these verses. It's a translation that we should say that includes the purport. Based on, uh, I study this commentary of Madhva, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Vishwana Chakvatitakur, and Srinivas Acharya, all had commentaries on the Chatur Shloki of the Bhagavatam some time ago, and uh, so it's based on this and some, yeah. So, first the two introductory verses. He says, Krishna says to Brahma, you heard the questions of Brahma. Please take this confidential knowledge of my opulence, gyan, that's a, the Sanskrit words I'll say are in parentheses. They're words from the verses. Please take this confidential knowledge of my opulence, gyan, and the special and more confidential knowledge of my sweetness, vigyan, in relation to my original form, Swayam Bhagavan, and my shaktis. Knowledge of my form is gyanam, and knowledge of the distinction between myself and my shaktis is vigyan. Special knowledge, or Vishesh Gyan. I give this to you in theory, Gyan, although it is the secret 
of sacred sound, Shastra, and the secret of Nam Dharma. It is now yours to realize, Bigyan, with my blessings, with, realize, with my blessing. It culminates in the mystery of the highest love for me, Prem, Rahasyam, which is attended by various bhavas, Tad Angam, and is attained by Raghunuga Sadhana Bhakti, supported by Bhaiti Sadhana Bhakti in the form of hearing, chanting, and meditating on me, Tadangam. Now you should endeavor to tread this path of praying, paying close attention. This is the first verse. So it's a preface to the four verses. There's two of them. And you can see here, he uses the words Gyan and Vigyan in different ways hmm, to speak about Aishvarya Gyan and Madhurya Gyan, knowledge of Krishna, for example, as Narayan, knowledge of Krishna as Krishna. Hmm? Jnana and Vigyana is knowledge and realization. Jnana, Vishesh Jnana, knowledge of your Shaktis, hmm? special kind of knowledge about your differentiated energies, and so forth. So this is all saying, I'm going to speak to you about Samanda Jnana. Hmm? And also, I'm going to speak to you about Rahasyam, the secret of Prem, which is the attainment, and by Tadangam, or which constitute, which is constituted of various bhavas and so forth, and which is attained by Raghunuga Bhakti, supported by Sadhana Bhakti, which is also called Tadangam. So, He's said, I'm going to speak to you about Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan, hmm? answering your questions. And verse 2, I, a little shorter, I bless you that you may realize in Prem all that I am, appearing as the cowherd son of Nanda, my form, qualities, nature, activities, and existence. Let these be awakened within you by my mercy. Verse 3, now this is the beginning of the Chatur Shlok itself. Knowledge of my form is this. I existed along with my eternal retinue, both in Baikuntha, in my form as Narayan, and in my confidential abode, Goloka, in the form of a cowherd, before the world of material experience was manifest from me. I am its cause, and I am also the effect of the world itself, in that the world is constituted of my energies and nothing more. It is I who also oversee the world and enter into it in the form of countless avatars. And when by my arrangement the world again becomes unmanifest, I continue to exist along with my associates and abode. This, has, this is a verse of Sambandagyan, as is this next verse, verse 4, or verse 2 of the Chattasloki itself. You ask about my shaktis. My shaktis are, in, are dependent on me, upon me. They do not exist independent of me. Under the influence of my maya shakti, the jiva shakti perceives value in that which appears unrelated to me and which is unrelated to the jiva itself and when in fact there is no value therein. Such perception is only a reflection of what of that which has real value, is only darkness, not the light of my sarup shakti that gives prem to the jiva shakti. 
Then he goes now to the Prayojan. This is the way Brahma asked the questions. Third verse of the Chatur Shloki. The nature of Prayam is very confidential. It is something like the gross elements that while all pervasive are at the same time localized within the bodies of the jivas. So you have earth, water, fire, air, ether, makes up the world and they're also in a microcosmic sense. They make up the bodies of the jivas. So prema is something like that, he said. <laughs> Similarly, to explain it, although I myself am all pervasive, I appear within the hearts of my prema bhaktas. Indeed, in prema, I appear within their hearts and also outside of their hearts, standing before them, in front of them. My mother saw me to be all pervasive. All right. mm. Looked in his mouth. But, or, or Lila, relative to this month, but with the rope of her love, she tied me up and I could not escape. I am the supreme controller, but I am controlled by my devotees praying. My Lila is behind everything, yet it appears on earth. I am one with everything and different from it at the same time, and this inconceivable metaphysical reality is the canvas on which the art of my pastimes of praying is drawn. So he gives a nice example, as the elements are there, but they're localized. So I'm everywhere, but I have a localized form hmm, that appears in relation to bhakti, as the fruit of bhakti, appearing before my devotees. Hmm? And it, although I'm everywhere, they're seeing me in a condensed form of Satchitananda, right in front, not only in their heart, but right in front of them. Hmm? And finally, the way. The last of the verses. The means to attain me, to attain Prem, is thus. First of all, one must be interested in understanding the highest truth. Such interest will be best served at the feet of the guru. Therein, one will learn systematically what karma is, what jnana is, what yoga is, what bhakti is, and how praying bhakti is the highest truth. The guru will teach all these things and thus directly and indirectly explain the glory of praying bhakti, drawing from the sacred text and thereby making the student one-minded. One must then follow me in the form of the guru by enthusiastically rendering service. Enthusiastically means at all times and in all circumstances, those favorable and those unfavorable, making this effort one's life and soul. So this is the, <laughs> the Chattu Shloki of the Bhagavatam. You can see it's about, it's divided in this way. This is the essence of the... And so throughout all the the text, we have these divisions. Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai, Kantaras Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Yes, question? Yes, I was just um, wondering, because you were talking about this um, Sambandhya and had, um, the chanting, and if you don't have Sambandhya, then you don't attain the ring. So, in this in the Bhakti Yoga Clubs, I've, we, we've come in contact with a couple of other ones, and they say that you know they're getting so much success with just chanting and hardly any philosophy. They don't even want to bring up any topic about God, or you know. And I feel like that isn't right. And they don't wear devotional clothes either. 
they just go as non-devotees and they're getting lots of people to come and, you know, chant and take a shot and, and uh, I don't know, maybe it's just the area we're in, but I don't find that to be so in our area. But I was just wondering what your thoughts are on it. Well, um, it seems unavoidable <laughs> that you... Uh, you may, you know, you may attract people by chanting, um, but um, it seems unavoidable that you have to give them some bandhagyan because um, who knows what they're thinking when they're chanting, what their conception is, and so forth. And the conception behind the chanting, there are my bodies that chant Hare Krishna in Vrindavan with the view to merge into Brahman, with the view that Krishna is, is, um, you know, Saguna Brahman, as, 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 as Shankar thinks of it. So, Puja Pachiramarsh used to say that kind of chanting is like, Krishna feels like throwing lightning bolts at him. Hmm? So, and people come with all kinds of, Ideas, even if you give them some bandhagyan, you know, they they interpret it. When you ask questions, you realize, oh, <laughs> they didn't get that point, and then you have to explain it again and so forth. So even if you give some bandhagyan, you, you can see that you can see, if you do, they can you, you ask the question, you can see they don't their 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 conception behind the chanting. Namasheshtam apisachi butram. Raghuna said, you know, I got the highest conception of the name. From Mahaprabhu, so um, I, I could see where it would be attractive to people maybe to chant. You could put forward the kirtan, and I mean they have these bhakti fests where they do that kind of thing, and people wear t-shirts with "Be in the Bhav." And I, you know, don't uh, not attracted to going there. It seems like a fairly uh, sensuous environment. At, at a glance. I mean, I've been there, so I don't want to. I'm just saying, this is my impression. I realize it has spiritual trappings and so forth, and uh, so I don't know how you can avoid giving them some mandagyan. I mean, if they if they like the chanting, then don't they have to? At some point, are you going to explain to them what it's about? Are you going to say? Well, look, we don't want to have any deities because people think they're statues, and so you know we just get them to chant, and and we we'd be careful not to wear devotional clothes because they won't they won't come otherwise. And I, I I couldn't imagine that people wouldn't come because somebody had devotional clothes on when you're chanting. I mean, you know, Sanskrit chants, and, and, and I mean, for, if you want to follow that out, why not chant? You know, why well, call him Krishna? Hmm? Oh, Supreme Person, you know, or something. I don't know, because that would be alienating. So I, I don't quite follow all that, but that's a whole other thing. I mean, people can make any kind of presentation. Clothes aren't the most important thing to wear and whatnot, but um, but the knowledge to somebody gown, it's 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 very important. And there's the example I gave of the time of Bhakti Vinod is it's it's um, reality. People were chanting, but they weren't. Getting it, therefore, there were owls and bowls and prakritas sahajiyas, and they were all attached to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. So, 
Is that what we want? You know, how can we say we'll just do the Abhideya and we'll, we won't bother with the Sambandhagyan and think we'll, we'll get the Prayoja and the Prem? There's three here. Hmm? There's three. And, uh, and so you, 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 need, you need them all. I mean, you may be philosophy light in a certain situation because you, you people are coming for kirtan, not philosophy, but I don't know. If you, have, if you can speak well the philosophy, I mean, I, I think people will like it. It's pretty nice. And, and it may be that persons who have that strategy don't have the ability to speak in such a way that's, that's very compelling and charming and it's become dogmatic for them and, and so forth. And so, but they go on with it anyway. Hmm? Um, but if you're alive and um, can speak about it, it's, 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 uh, I, could, I could see it be more attractive than, than the chanting. I mean, I can sit, I'm, I'm not a, anybody, well, I'm using myself as an example, but I'm, I'm not great or anything, but I could sit and I, I've had people, 100 room, 100 people from, you know, contemporary society, Eastern-oriented, you know, young people, I guess, like you're talking about, sit for two hours and listen to a lecture. I don't know if they could chant for two hours. We chant too, but I mean, so I think it's uh, it's not uh, what it may be, the way you're talking about it, it's not what it made out to be. I mean, like it's a great success, people are chanting, and then the chanting will do everything, and then you, then you, then you find out what, you know, Couple of years later, what they're thinking and they're chanting, and what what I mean the Sambandhagyan. What about you're not going to get, tell them about the Namaparads? You're not going to tell them. They're just going to chant. And you know, if you have life, then you should be able to explain. Hmm? The Prabhupada didn't just come and do the chanting. People are not interested in philosophy. I don't think that's true today. People are not interested in philosophy for the most part, anyway. And they never are, but. They're, if they're going to come to a spiritual gathering, you would you would think they'd be a little interested to hear. So, um, I mean, you know, I'm. But I can see that you know, one maybe want to be philosophy light, have a kirtan and prasadam, and. But obviously, if someone becomes a little interested, it keeps coming back, and you start giving them the sambandhagyan, right? Yeah, I think they do light philosophy, and then. Mostly kirtan, they're just trying to give them a really good time and get more people. And I thought, well, it's not about numbers, because you always say that. Mm-hmm. And but it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like, just do do what you're supposed to do, and then if somebody doesn't like it, they just won't come around. Yeah, I mean, you have to be artful and present it in a thoughtful way, and, you know, you, you want to kind of bring it to them on their level and package it in such a way and so forth, but... But um, certainly not at the, at the cost of the Sambandhagyan. You're not giving them the whole package then. So, um, but you know, we judge by the result. But ultimately, inevitably, it's a it's it's definitely a fact that they have to get some Sambandhagyan, hmm? get properly oriented. What is bhakti? Hmm? All kinds of crazy ideas out about there about what bhakti is. So, you want to. Go through all that's the business of the teacher to do that. Anything else? We were just reading recently the 22nd chapter of the Madhya Leela, and um, 
about the path to devotional service, and Srila Prabhupada was making a report that the neophyte devotee is more interested in Krishna consciousness or love of Krishna, but he's not interested in the basis of devotion, nor in the path, understanding the path of devotional service. And then he needs to understand the path of devotional service and the basis of devotion to make progress. There you go. There's just, like yeah. what you're saying. Confirming, right. I mean, what Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is there. What is bhakti? Hmm. It's a popular word. I mean, it's it's a, if bhakti is becoming popular and kirtan is becoming popular. You know, there's got to you've got to be able to. There's a lot of preaching to be done <laughs> uh, because the actual ideas are not so popular. Everybody wants freedom. We're teaching slavery. Well, guess what? You're supposed to be a slave of Bhagwan. This is the idea. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. We had this couple last week um, that were there, and um, we talked. My husband was talking a lot about speaking a lot on the Gita, and we thought they were getting really bored because the girl was like, you know, fidgeting around. (laughs) And I thought after they left, they're never going to come back again. And then he wrote me an email. We really want to come back again. Are you going to be doing this again? So you never know. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, your little apartment there, having programs. That's nice. Well, I envision that you're going to be coming up there and converting all the Maya bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like to talk actually, to the Maya bodies, yeah. They actually asked my husband, he was telling them he was going to be going that Lord and I was going to be going to see a guru, and they're like, there's a guru in North Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to see him. <laughs> so maybe... Sure, yeah. Soon. Yeah, I, I like talking to those uh, neo-Edwaitans and <laughs> so forth. You do it like Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna. Sri Man Mahabharu Ki Jai. Gaur Aramadabha Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrindaki.